Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Hi, I'm Amy Rowlandson and I'm host of this podcast Focus on Why. If you're new to the show, a huge welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And if you're a loyal listener, thank you again for staying with me along this fabulous journey of purpose. These Reflections episodes are an opportunity for us all to sit back and enjoy listening to them from the perspective of just a listener. For me, that's special because I'm usually the host and I'm involved in the conversation. So I sit back and it gives me a chance to reflect and then act. And what I also love about these Reflections with Actions episodes is not only do I get the opportunity to reflect on the recent episodes, I take some time out to reflect on what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks since my last episode. It's incredible what happens when you stop to take a moment or two to think about where you're going, what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. And last Friday, I spent a whole day with Julie Crefield looking at strategy and ideation, fleshing out my 10 year master plan. What's the purpose behind my very being? What am I doing now? What is it I want to do? And how will I achieve what I have in my plan? Why am I creating all these podcasts? Well, they are part of the bigger plan, a journey that I've planned to achieve something much bigger, still under wraps for the moment, but is exciting. Purpose is an evolution. So how often do you stop and ask yourself these types of purpose and future focus questions? I came up with some really interesting answers last Friday, and some of them really surprised me. There was a layer below the surface of operating that's been sitting on, at my subconscious level, which I allowed to come up to the surface. It's been driving my work, and now I can focus on what I really want to happen in the next three to five years. I have a clear purpose, a clear focus, and a clear plan. Meeting up in the Olympic Park, Julie used the analogy of the London 2012 Stratford 25-year vision to help show me that I can leave some space across my time frame, which I can fill in as I go, but have that mapped out as an idea of what I want. I do have that overview of what I want to achieve and the details of how and what will naturally follow as I go along my purpose journey. Now, this is actually the second strategy session of the week because last Tuesday I spent a half day with a book publisher, Sue Richardson, to discuss my book idea. I really want to write a book about purpose, about your why. And Sue took me through the why, the what, the who and the how. I focus on my own why in my work. And here I was again using that same focus in fleshing out what will be the book that I pulled together. And it was an incredible session. So thank you, Sue. I really enjoyed working on it. And what I found in the session was that it took me to a deeper reason behind why I want to write the book. I don't want to just create the book just to say that I've got a book to tick a box. 
I don't want people to say, oh, go and check Amy's book about purpose. It's really useful. It's really helpful. Yes, that's great. But I want it to be more than that. It's part of that master plan I spoke of earlier. It's my legacy. And for that reason, I've put a bit of pressure on myself to really make this happen in the way that I want it to happen. Just as I see the podcast as a vehicle that I'm using as a channel to to direct all of these messages of purpose and to enable the pioneers of purpose to share their stories on the platform. What I've pulled together here is an incredible library of focus on why. And that's what happened when I sat down with Julie and looked at my 10 year master plan, looked at what I wanted to put together as my life work as I approach 50. And then again, as I approach 60, what's going to happen in those 10 years and really pull together the essence of what I'd like to achieve in my lifetime. So here we are reflecting on the last five fantastic episodes that have created so much conversation on social media around the topics that they've shared I've had so many messages from people reaching out to me directly about how they've felt real connection, real resonance with what the guests have shared. And when putting together the podcast schedule, I get excited knowing how relatable and inspiring these conversations are. So when I hear back what it actually means to the listener, I feel it's very much my mission accomplished. What does it mean to be inspired by someone who shares their story? For someone to stop in their tracks so much so that they don't just listen to an episode, they want to listen back to it straight away on the bounce because of the powerful message that was shared within it. This happened this week and I'll talk about that when I'm reflecting on Joe Berry's episode a little bit later. So first up is episode 221, Power of Vision with Kerry Conley and Laurel Wilson. And a big shout out goes to Tanya Stell for introducing us. Thank you, Tanya. It didn't take me long to realise why you've brought us together. With a passion for revolutionising vision and purpose, the mission of Carrie and her daughter, Laurel, stems from their own adversity after losing two family members. Carrie's husband, Laurel's father, and Carrie's son, Laurel's brother, took both to suicide just three years apart. I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must have been. Laurel shared that when her father died, she lost her faith, lost her desire, was very much in an autopilot mode and she didn't see any purpose. She even lied about how he had died to others. But when her brother died, she realised she was supposed to do something with this, that there was no way she was going to go through this without some purpose. And with a clear focus on why, Carrie and Laurel kept looking up. They keep looking up. They know how to read the signs and they know how to follow the happier approach. With purpose, courage and delegation, they use their intuition to direct their energy through the power of vision. Carrie and Laurel shared how you can change your circumstances just by changing your thoughts. The process is such that your circumstances trigger or prompt your thoughts, which produce your feelings, which in turn generate actions, which in turn create results, which provide the evidence to give you more thoughts, and thus the cycle continues. Thoughts create feelings, feelings create behaviour and the behaviour reinforces the thoughts. Now if you plant the seed that you can change the circumstances, you can change your behaviour, your feelings and your thoughts. The goal of this amazing mother-daughter team is to teach people of all ages the importance of having a crystal clear vision and creating a legacy they wish to carry out. They also help those suffering from adversities by enabling them to find their purpose in life. Very similar work to what I do. 
And Kerry said that we've got to start at a much earlier age with children. Help them to understand that they do have a purpose, that they do matter, and to figure out what their authentic why is. She said it's going to take an army of people connecting, just as we have, connecting right now to break that pattern. Absolutely, it's a mission that I share with both Laurel and Kerry, and one that I fully endorse. And what I wanted to talk about was a number of fabulous books that were shared in this episode, particularly Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Have you read it? I read this book five years ago in December 2016, and I was intrigued to revisit some of the ideas that Napoleon Hill shared. So I dug out my journal to see what I'd highlighted. There was a lot, and I could actually spend an entire Reflections episode speaking of Napoleon Hill's seminal work alone. However, I'm just going to pull on one thread today, and that is the thread of persistence, persistence and purpose. And Hill said that persistence is a state of mind, so it can be cultivated like all states of mind. Persistence is based upon definite causes, including the definiteness of purpose. Knowing what you want is the first and perhaps the most important step towards the development of persistence. A strong motive forces you to surmount many difficulties. Hill speaks of steps which are essential in all walks of life. Steps to control your economic destiny, your freedom and independence, your riches, your power, your fame and worldly recognition. Steps that convert your dreams into physical realities and steps that lead to overcoming and the mastery of fear, discouragement and indifference. The key to all of these elements are the steps. Steps mean moving, mean moving forward. Nothing happens without movement. Movement is key. You have to take steps to think and grow rich, even if they are small steps. They compound over time. Reflecting on my journey over the last five years, every day I've taken steps to grow and learn, to think and grow rich in areas that matter to me. What matters to you? What steps are you taking? Remember where you are and who you are today is as a result of who you were and where you came from yesterday. Who you choose to be and where you choose to go depends on you right now in this moment. And Laurel spoke of her what is versus her what if exercise, which reminded me of the work of Byron Katie, particularly in her book, Loving What Is. Katie uses just four questions which together can and do change lives. Katie calls it the work and the four questions are based on a judgment that you may have formed about someone, something or some event. She calls it inquiry and you can reframe any thought that is uncomfortable by seeing it as a gift that points you towards your own freedom. In response to a judgment that you hold, ask yourself four questions which are simply these. Is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react when you think that thought? And who would you be without the thought? And turn it around. Instead of fighting what is, it is a case of loving what is. And for me, this work echoes the work of Adlerian psychology. Over the summer, I read two books, The Courage to be Disliked and The Courage to be Happy by Ichiro Kishimi and Fumitaki Koga. Both these books centre on the work of an Austrian psychotherapist, Alfred Adler. Reading the books, I started questioning and challenging some of my own life beliefs, particularly around why I do what I do. 
The principles are similar, that it is your job to focus only on your tasks and not the tasks of others. What you're able to affect control over. A lot of stress in life comes from living in other people's mental spaces, living outside of your own mental living, expecting others to do things. And by saying this should not have happened or you need to do this or they should do this just becomes overwhelming and untenable. When you're busy living other people's lives, who's living your life? It comes down to being fully present in your own life and focusing on what is true for you. And Byron Katie says, a thought is harmless unless we believe it. It is not our thoughts, but the attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering. Attaching to a thought means believing that it's true without inquiring. So what beliefs do you hold that, that may not be true? Some of these you could have believed in. They've been with you for years, for decades even, and may not be true. Many times a day, we play out scenarios in our mind. Imagine stories of what could or should or might be. Unvalidated projections of theories that we form with the limited information that you've based on thoughts and feelings. If you haven't read the book Loving What Is, I highly recommend that you do. The Audible version in particular is great as she includes live sessions of where she does the work with her clients. The book has these transcripts in them, but the tone and the pace and the emotions are far more evident in the spoken word. Next up is episode 222, The Future of Speaking with Maria Franzoni. Want to know what the future of speaking involves? Well, tune into this episode because Maria knows. Maria is founder and chief mentor at the Speaking Business Academy and one of the most experienced speaker bookers in Europe and recognized as a speaking industry expert. She supports speakers, established and new, to turn their speaking into profitable businesses and she does this by helping speakers to be more bookable. Maria fell into this career while scouring the broadsheets looking for some new work and a cryptic advert stood out from the others. It asked, are you able to negotiate and communicate at senior level without being phased? And caught the attention of Maria. Responding to it took her on a very unexpected journey and catapulted her into the speaking business industry. The rest, as they say, is history. Maria has since spent decades working amongst phenomenal storytellers and change makers whose conversations have literally changed the world. Understanding the audience and helping these incredible people to share their message and impact globally, Maria is facilitating the future of speaking. From understanding the complex and fragmented speaking industry so as to position themselves as highly paid experts through to developing simple sales and marketing strategies to monetize their expertise, this is what Maria focuses on. And the stories over the years have been phenomenal and it is the quality and diversity of these speakers that's kept Maria in this industry all this time. She says it's like breathing rarefied air and she has to pinch herself Thriving off the success of others, she's stretched mentally and learning all the time. And I asked Maria that impossible question, who is her favourite speaker? And she actually didn't hesitate in answering. She said her favourite person ever was Neil Armstrong. Wow, how cool is that? I wonder how many people can lay claim to knowing Neil Armstrong as well as Maria did. Apparently, he never said no to her because she knew what he wanted, what was important to him, 
and so she only ever presented him with the right invitations. She understood his why and met his needs and his values. And she fed his deep curiosity for knowledge and adventure, which in turn met Maria's deep need to learn and grow. Maria and I share many other interests and, and loves in life. And one of those is our absolute love for animals, particularly for dogs. And she mentioned how animals change how you look at life. And it made me think about that. There's a reason why dogs are referred to as man's or, in our case, woman's best friend. They do appear to have that magical healing power or unconditional love. And they seek your eye contact out to express this affection that they have. When I was a child, back in 1984, I got my first dog. His name was Flute and he was a fabulous Springer Spaniel named after our favourite type of French baguette, having just returned from a summer holiday before we got him. And I absolutely adored him. And the feeling was mutual. He would spend his entire time by my side. But Flute's life was short-lived. He died just 18 months old, and I was left heartbroken. And it was only six and a half years ago that finally I had my own Springer Spaniel. The dog I'd longed for ever since being a child, and my heart was no longer broken, because welcome to my world, Rafty. Rafty keeps me fit mentally and physically. He keeps me up and about, walking every day. And they do say that being a dog owner is, is proven to alleviate depression, reduce risk of heart attack, and it cuts back stress and reduces and lowers blood pressure. But it's more than that. The bond that you form with your dog is special. In fact, as I record this episode, Rafty's looking at me wondering when we'll finish so we can go out on a lovely autumnal walk before the rain starts and be able to kick those leaves about. In fact, he's stared me out so much he's won me over. So I'm going to pause now and go off on that walk. Often on these walks, I reflect on just how much that bond you have with your dog is so special. A shared love for the great outdoors the simplicity of nature in the world that can be perceived as becoming more and more complicated. So whilst Rafferty is by no means going to give me anywhere near the intellectual stimulation that perhaps Neil Armstrong gave Maria, I think that both, both of us, Maria and I, would agree that our dogs come a pretty close second in terms of the happiness that we get from being in their company. What would you ask Neil Armstrong if you had the chance? I wondered that question when I was out on my walk today. I didn't have the answer, but it needs more thought for sure. Who else would you have liked to have met in life? What conversations have held your attention over the years? Who's piqued your interest? And before I reflect on the next episode, I just wanted to share what one of my future guests posted on LinkedIn after we recorded her episode recently. OMG, I'm going to be on the Focus on Why podcast, all in capitals. Such a pleasure to spend the afternoon recording my episode with the amazing host, Amy Rowlandson. Having been on a number of podcasts, I want to say Amy has a special way of making her guests feel important. I had an enjoyable experience. In particular, I love how she beautifully articulated back what I had said, which made me feel she listened to every word. Thanks, Amy Rowlandson, for having me on your, as your guest. Can't wait for the broadcast. Well, I can't wait either, Sajna, because it was an absolute pleasure to record your story. And Sajna Rahman's episode will be out late in December. And she was surprised where her conversation led. 
Now, I sit down with each of my guests in a separate pre-call on a different day before we actually record the episodes, just to explain what to expect when we do sit down and record. And I ask my guests what they want to achieve out of sharing their why. Sajna was no different. And yet when we sat down to record, a different vibe kicked in and the conversation took a different form. And this is also what happened in my next reflection of episode 223, The Gift of Conflict with Joe Berry. Again, I asked Jo what she wanted to achieve from sharing her why on the podcast. She's spoken on radio and spoken on other podcast episodes and at conferences and at schools and in businesses. And with political, religious and racial divides deepening as global and local events unfold, Jo's words offer a message of hope and encourage us all to see the humanity in others. After all, it's not every day that you sit down with a terrorist for a cup of tea. Naturally, there was a focus on why. However, in this episode, there was also a focus on hope, transformation, feeling, compassion, love, empathy, peace, communication, kindness, justice, dignity, trust, respect, self-care, self-compassion and self-worth. Ultimately, though, Joe focused on humanity. Joe is the founder of the charity Building Bridges for Peace, and she advocates that unbounded empathy is the biggest weapon we have to transform conflict. Joe believes that her story helps others to heal, to move them from a position of blame, moving them to empathy. Just how she disarmed Pat McGee with her empathy, so too can she help resolve conflicts within organisations. I've had so many people share this episode on social media and talk about what they loved about it. And I even had one listener who reached out to both Joe and me separately to congratulate on us on this episode. And he even left a five-star Apple podcast review. This is what he said. I've been a regular listener to your podcast since you were introduced to me by Jeremy Nicholas when you interviewed him. Today, I've listened spellbound to your interview with Joe Berry. Most of your guests are interesting, but Joe Berry was magnificent. After a few minutes contemplating her story, I had to listen a second time. Well done for getting her on your show and enabling us to hear her story. Thank you. You're always good, but your listening and leading today was in the highest peaks of top class. Thanks so much for this window into the lives of others. Please keep up these excellent interviews. They are simply brilliant podcasts. Cyril Mannion. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Cyril, not only for tuning in, but for reflecting and taking action to reach out to both of us separately and to share what he took from tuning into the episode. And thank you so much for sharing this and posting the review. Joe has spoken all around the world and has witnessed people affected by violence, grief and anger. And part of her why is to show them a different way. Joe's extraordinary story led me to reflect and focus on her strength, her strength in particular as a peace builder, where she continues to build bridges across the divide of being a victim to being victorious, transforming pain into love and compassion. As a restorative facilitator, she works to resolve conflicts around the world using her gift, the gift of conflict. Jo's journey is by no means finished. She focuses on what she's good at, what is right rather than what is wrong. What if we studied what was right with people versus what's wrong with people? Don Clifton asked this simple question 
and was subsequently fondly known as the father of strength psychology, creating the original StrengthsFinder assessment in 1998. There is a tendency from a very early age to try to improve on what you're not so good at instead of focusing on and developing your innate talents and strengths. At school, you're encouraged to improve on your weaker subjects instead of focusing on what you excel in. What a waste of talent, time and energy. Sir Ken Robinson challenged the effectiveness of schools and the way children are educated. Champion of the creative arts, Robinson's Do Schools Kill Creativity is now the most viewed TED Talk of all time. Why? Well, perhaps his message resonates with every inner child in all of us. Dreams that were quashed, strengths that were inhibited and weaknesses that were highlighted. The freedom to explore and follow innate curiosities were restricted by society and societal expectations. Working with my life purpose coaching clients, together we focus on strengths and we explore opportunities as to how they align them with their core values, their passions and their interests. Knowing your strengths and then adopting, nurturing and embracing them fully is a crucial key to unlocking your life purpose. Over recent years, I focused on my strengths, particularly investing time, energy and money in various online tools and assessments, including Gallup's Clifton Strengths, EQI 2.0, Wealth Dynamics and Contributions Compass. Although they each have differing approaches, together they have helped me to understand more about who I am and where best to invest my natural talent, time and energy. For decades, Gallup has studied millions of employees, managers and leaders and their research today continues to endorse the benefits of having the opportunity to develop and grow your strengths instead of expending energy into the areas of weakness. Gallup's assessment, Clifton Strengths, identifies 34 themes to capture human talent. The assessment helps you to recognise where you have the greatest potential to develop your strengths. And as with all assessments, while they don't represent the whole uniqueness and precision of who or what you're able to bring to the table, the descriptions of each theme are uncannily accurate. My top five strengths, according to Clifton Strengths, are learner, achiever, intellection, input and connectedness. I have a great desire to learn and continuously improve, a great deal of stamina and inner drive and I set high expectations for myself. I'm determined to push for changes that will benefit humankind and will often re-examine and question my life purpose. I also have a need to collect an archive and a gift for identifying and helping people to connect. As a bridge builder, futurist and visionary, I aspire to build a better life and a better world for everyone. We are all different pieces of one giant jigsaw. And this is why I love curating this podcast, why I love bringing together all of these fabulous stories. The top five are said to be your most powerful and natural talents. To use them as a springboard to reflect and, re and build upon, to enjoy understanding more about who you are, why you do what you do and why you are the way you are. How do your strengths shape your everyday way of living? Having these insights into your strengths and your emotional intelligence gives you a deeper understanding of how you see yourself, how you relate to others and how you manage stress. Make decisions and express yourself. Mastering and managing your strengths is a skill in itself. However, it's highly rewarding and will help you to live a more fulfilling and purposeful life. Take some time to identify your strengths and see how you are maximizing them. 
How do your strengths help you to live with your purpose? Joe said that together we can make a difference, that we all have a voice and we all matter. She shared how her emotional intelligence and strengths have helped her to turn her pain into compassion. And in my next episode, 224, Being Human with Gary Hosey, Gary shares how to use emotional intelligence and strengths to live more authentically. Together, Joe and Gary have each found strength of what it is being human and also in the strength of a human being. Gary's journey started with emotional dysfunction. His family didn't practice self-awareness around feelings, moods, emotions and their impact, nor how to relate to other people. The skills that we now understand as the Game Changer Emotional Intelligence or EQ has led to Gary embarking on an entire adventure in his personal and professional life. Focused on supporting leaders and developing their behaviour and performance around how they show up with emotional intelligence in the workplace and their everyday world, Gary's now worked with over 7,000 leaders from over 100 global organisations. His approach with EQ Influence captures a distilled wisdom from many thousands of those one-to-one conversations. Getting right into the language of emotions, Gary is on a personal and professional quest to understand what being human really means. What does being human mean to you? Getting into the language of emotions, how you're feeling and what impact other people might have on you is an area of discomfort for a lot of people and therefore something not often practiced. Gary says as we get into practicing it, it becomes not so much an easier way of communicating, it just becomes more naturally who we are, that we haven't really created the room to practice our innate humanness. What's going on for me? What influence does that have on my behavior? How does that impact others? Gary says that he calls this the after awareness. And I asked him more about it to explain it in more depth. And he said that with some feedback, we're able to look back and see how we're behaving, how we showed up in a situation. But with emotional intelligence, we're able to be aware in the moment. The present has so much to offer, if only you are present enough to notice it. We do have a lot to learn about ourselves and investing in ourselves and becoming more self-aware is one of the best investments you can make in life. Back in October 2020, I worked with Gary as he guided me through in great detail my results from the EQI 2.0 test, identifying my successful attributes, essentially my natural strengths where I am functioning effectively. These positive qualities or areas of gifting impact my behaviours. And so together with Gary's expertise, we also explored the potential cost of these high scores in my life. I scored highly in optimism, for example, meaning that I'm extensively optimistic. I have the ability to remain positive despite setbacks and almost always see the world in a positive light. I believe in myself, have a glass half full attitude and inspire those who I work with to overcome their challenges. I'm able to see opportunities or possibilities that others may overlook. I set myself stretch targets and communicate a compelling vision that brings the best out in myself and those around me. However, Gary showed me how my rose-coloured glasses could mean that sometimes I may miss important information and that I need to keep it real to ensure that any stretch goals I set are within my capacity and I don't ignore evidence that suggests I could be headed for a negative outcome. We also looked at the lower scores and how they may potentially be costing me in professional and personal situations. 
It was fascinating to see how my results and just how accurate they were. I do love doing all these tests and quizzes. However, this model was different. EQI 2.0 is the world's leading measure of emotional intelligence, supported by decades of research. And the report is comprehensive and details five key areas within 15 EQ competencies. Understanding how I perform in all these areas helps me to learn more about how I operate emotionally. And as I have these insights, I have a deeper understanding of how I see myself, how I relate to others, how I manage stress, make decisions and express myself in the moment. Learning and growth are two of my highest values and I continue to explore these every day. What are your highest values and do you know your EQ score? Gary shared that he considers his work to be very much his why, his calling. With a core value around serving and serving others, when it comes to behaviour, if somebody wants to have a conversation about any element of developing, developing themselves and around emotional intelligence, he never tires sitting down and chatting that through with them. What is your calling? And do you combine your calling with your values? What are your secret joys? You can discover fulfilling work through a series of well-informed choices based on practical self-reflection and self-awareness, understanding and respecting your strengths, uniting them with your natural gifts and passions with your core values is an incredibly powerful combination. And if you struggle to see your strengths or your gifts in yourself, just ask friends, peers or family what they perceive them to be. Ask them to name at least five each and see how many people give you the same replies. My calling focuses around people, feelings and ideas. I see possibilities and open doors. Building relationships on trust, I bring out potential and empower others, helping them to believe that they can achieve whatever they desire. I like to get to the heart of matters, which is why I focus on why, because why is the foundation of everything. It is the heartbeat of why I do what I do. So like Gary, are you on a mission, a journey or a quest to pursue your calling? Your quest begins with self-awareness and mindfulness to seek clarity. And I'll ask you the question that I asked earlier. What does being human mean to you now? Gary says he calls it being human so that we can be more human now. As we practice that being more human now, it means that we show up more authentically more often. That not only invites others to do that, it gives them permission to do that because you're demonstrating that kind of behavior. How will you enjoy the journey? How will you stop having an after-awareness and find yourself being more in the moment? Gary used the being on the train analogy to describe life. He sees life in a momentary freeze frame, capturing those moments instead of seeing the blur of life. He's part of it, which gives him a richer experience in the moment of every day. He asked, why wouldn't you want to enjoy the journey more and to have that richer experience? And I have to agree with you, who wouldn't want that? My final reflection today turns to episode 225, Moments of Truth with Steve Katchik. Equipping businesses to develop a secret sales force of brand ambassadors in order to drive engagement, reduce churn and win more business, Steve has been at the front line of customer service for over 25 years. Knowing that people can make or break a brand, Steve focuses on people, communication and developing the culture as every interaction is a moment of truth. Now, after speaking with Steve, I understood that moment of truth is a phrase used in the customer service industry to understand the customer life cycle with a brand or a product. People can either make or break the brand. So a moment of truth in business is fundamental to its success. 
It's that moment when the customer forms a positive, negative or indifferent impression of your brand or product. And this is what Steve refers to in his articulation of moment of truth. However, I believe there's more to be found within that phrase than just from a sales or marketing perspective. It's about making a decision in the moment based on the information you have, regardless of whether that decision could be a simple one or it could be a life-changing one. Your future is shaped in that moment. Google introduced us to the zero moment of truth, saying that that moment when you grab your laptop, mobile phone or some other wired device and start learning about a product or service you're thinking about trying or buying. It all comes back to being human. It's about your emotional intelligence of that being in the moment and how you react, how you depend on that momentary decision. It's a strategy that you use. We each process things differently. We'll have different strategies using different senses. How we perceive things using touch, smell, eyes, ears, how we see or hear something or even taste it, how you're feeling or how you think. You may also have heard of the first moment of truth, the second moment of truth, or even the ultimate moment of truth. Your character, skill, courage, reaction is put to the test in a critical moment. The origin of the phrase is said to come from the Spanish phrase, el momento de la verdad, describing the end of a bullfight where the bull makes one last move towards the matador and the matador in a moment of truth shows whether he has what it takes to kill the bull with his fatal sword thrust. For Steve, he believes that first and foremost, we are there to serve and that every interaction is that moment of truth. He's focused on human interaction communication and his purpose changed dramatically after losing his wife. Each day initially was just about survival. His wife had been his best friend and it took him a long time to pick up the pieces. And he said it was amazing how personal development opens the eyes. Steve spoke about five elements that he uses in professional development in the business world. However, I see them translating really well into your personal world too. It's a focus on relationships, on empowerment, on communication, on culture and on engagement. Again, it comes down to that emotional interaction. That's what a moment of truth is. It's an emotional interaction. It's a focus on emotions. And as Steve quoted Maya Angelou, she said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So today, take a moment to reflect on what you say, what you do, and perhaps more importantly, how you make people feel. Today's Reflections with Actions is all about your moment of truth and being in the moment. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcast five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.